Welcome to Highly Functioning, a show about exploring, understanding, and optimizing the mind from a non-neurotypical lens. On this week's episode, we talk about free will. We talk about our own opinions on the topic, the arguments from both sides on whether free will exists, and explore our beliefs on the idea that everything happens for a reason. We also introduce the notion of applying focus versus drifting and how it may be causing the common midlife crisis, as well as talk about how the habits we instill now may become the barriers to exercising your free will in the future. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcasting app. Follow us and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash highlyfunctioning. And if you like our content, consider supporting us at highlyfunctioning.ca. There you'll find bonus content, Q&As, and be able to provide direct input on how you can change the show. Hey, Winston. How's it going? Good. Hey, David. How are you? Uh, is how I'm doing. <laughs> um, coming to you live from Nashville today. Nice. Nice. Is that different from last week? I, I, so I moved places. I was, I was in Dixon, Tennessee last week. I was in the outskirts of Nashville. Now I'm in Nashville. We skipped, we didn't record when I was in Vegas. Are you in Vegas? Wait, I was wait, in Vegas too. Like Vegas, Vegas, or like just Vegas? <laughs> no, no, no. So I stayed 30 minute walk from the strip. Uh, I can't afford to stay on the strip. Yeah. yeah. Um, both. <laughs> but so today I wanted to talk about free will. And in particular, I'm interested in your thoughts because so Ayn Rand has a, a, a new theory of free will that I think is correct and based on my introspection and a lot of sort of the work I've done understanding the mind and understanding like the autistic mind as as it is different from the average mind has to do I think all the way down with the nature of like the mind's relationship with free will Mm -hmm. um but you know you are someone who does think there's free will and I'm interested in why you think that or how you've come to that conclusion because um, for me, I mean, some people don't think there's free will, right? Um, which is interesting, but for me, I vividly remember when I realized that I did have free will because the nature of how I used to behave, I almost never actually exerted it. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I really had to think deeply to come to the conclusion that I could choose my behavior because of the nature of how my mind worked, I was always stuck behind my own actions. So it was very difficult for me to actually impact and exert my free will. And it wasn't until I got exposed to objectivism and went to the actual conference that I actually learned how to take control of it personally. But I realized I had it prior to that. And I can talk about how that happened, how I came to that conclusion. Um, But I'm interested first in why you think you have free will and and sort of um, how you experience it. So I'll preface by saying I'm not fully educated on the topic. Like I've I've heard of like, not I've heard of free will, (laughs) Uh, but I know free will. I've like spent like light reading things on it. I'm I'm familiar with some of the arguments and things like that, but like, it's not like I've come up with a firm belief and I'm gonna stand by by the belief. I'm more, this is what I believe now, but I'm open to hearing other opinions. Um, But I guess I I would, a weird nuanced view of free will that I don't think you'll particularly like because you'll say it's either we have it or we don't. But I, I like to think at least with free will that we have, um, at the end of the day, we have the choice, right? Like um, you are the ones who decide on the actions that you do, but that isn't to say people are affected to different degrees based off of their environment. Um, and so what I would mean by that is that like, you and I might be, if we were maybe two different people in two different, completely different areas, our areas or whatever, but we might have different degrees to which we exert our free will. And what I mean by that is, mean by that is the extent to which our decisions are not made by other biases or other influences that are beyond our own is how I sort of think about free will. Because I am aware of the fact that there are some situations in which um, you do have a choice, but then the choice is it's, uh, there are all these external influences and environmental influences that are putting there that make that choice hard. But at the end of the day, if you make that choice, you made that choice, right? Like it's like, there's still no excuse for murder, 
right? Like, of course, there are certain situations in which you can not justify, but like, I understand it. Like, you know, the case where, and this is the classic example, it's like if someone um, like rapes your daughter or something like that, right? And then you want to go kill that person. The person goes, hey, like, I understand why you did it, but it's still wrong, right? So like, I understand that those things, but that's sort of how I would frame my view of, of, of free will. Um, because, and, and there's also this, the other side, which is like, I don't think the world's that much fun if you don't have free will, right? Like imagine if you're just, just like everything set in stone, you're just living the way that you're supposed to live and things like that. Like that just, does, just doesn't seem like a very interesting way to live in my head. Um, and so there's also a part of me that like, doesn't want there not to be free will. And I'll sort of put that out there, uh, put that out there to begin. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll leave aside the second point because I think it's less important. And, and it, what, what the truth is doesn't matter if you want it or if it's more fun in life, if there's free will. But, you know, I think you brought up some interesting points and I don't, assent, I don't, I don't disagree explicitly with any of what you said, right? I do think people can be more or less influenced by their environment. Decisions can be more or less difficult. Um, but I still think the amount to which someone is influenced by their environment is sort of open to them, right? You can choose to not be as influenced by your environment. But what I'm still interested in is how do you know you can choose, right? So how do you, like you say it almost as if it's self-evident to you that, okay, well, at least you, maybe some people have a harder time exerting their free will than you do or than I do, but you say, no, you know you can, that regardless, I choose to do things. How do you know that? What happens in your mind when you are choosing? Or Because some people claim they don't make that choice. Some people claim also that even if they make the choice, they were always going to have made that choice, mm -hmm. right? So there's, there's the illusion of free will. You think you're choosing it, but all of the predetermined variables led you to want to choose it and it couldn't have been otherwise. So mm -hmm. what is going on when you say, okay, like, or what's an example of when you are like, yeah, I have free will. Well, well twofold, which is one, like I'm, I'm a guy who might have, like I've, we've talked about this before, but, but I have a very addictive personality and I can, I, I'm very mindful of the fact that there's police, there's times in which like the voice in my head is going, oh yeah, you can have, you can, yeah, you know, like chill out, like it's fine, like it's not a big deal, like that kind of thing. Um, and like sometimes I listen to that voice and 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 it's fine, but other days I'm like, no, like I know I have a choice in doing this matter, and I just like this is just me trying to rationalize, me trying to like uh, make sense of the word, or it's like that like little devil on your shoulder that's talking to you, I guess. Um, and I make the conscious choice of like, no, like today is the day that that's not going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's that, um, and I guess that feeling gives me confidence that you might have some free will, but I, I'm also, as someone who's very interested in mathematics and things like that, like I do, I do understand the notion that people have in which they think that the world is a massive spider web in which things are dependent on each other. And if we get to the point in which we can understand all the dependencies, you, you should be able to predict the future. Now, the reality is I look at things and I don't think we're ever going to have enough computing power to be able to calculate all of the dependencies in the entire world. So I think it's almost like a non-starter argument. Now, of course, a hundred years ago, if you told people you'd have a thing in your thing in your pocket that could tell you everything you'd want to know in the world, um, everything that's been discovered, they would have thought that was batshit crazy too. Um, so I do like, I do understand that notion, that mathematical notion, but there's like I've read enough on probability, on risk, on chaos and things like that, just to know that like, or just to have the approach that things are not necessarily set in stone per se, right? And like, um, I know I'm like going all and like some people will argue, maybe it is, it looks random to you, but there's a figure up in the, in the clouds that knows everything that's going on. Um, but it says someone that's in like, I, I think it's starting to show a little bit where it's like, I don't have necessarily a super strong view on what that is. But at least in my own approach, I think like um, there's enough situations in which I should have gone the other way. All the environmental factors go the other way. And I decided not to do it. Like even where I grew up, where I was from, all this other stuff, I shouldn't, shouldn't have done, done well in life. I should have had all these other problems, blah, blah, blah. It didn't happen. Now there's arguments to be made or some people will say, oh, that's God talking. He blessed you, he this. And just like, I get a, 
I get this weird thing where it's like everything good that happens, like it, that in and of itself is its own like fallacy in my head where like everything has happened. You're just like, oh, everything happens for a reason. Well, sure. I like that idea. I like that notion, but it's also like, you can apply that to just about everything. It's like a horoscope, right? Like it applies to everybody. And if you just close what the, um, what the, what the actual call sign is, someone will find some way to relate to it. Um, so I don't have a super strong point of view, but at least in my own anecdotal experience, um, I, I think we don't realize how much free will that we have, and it's either we underestimate it or we overestimate it. And what I mean by that is sometimes we look at people who are in like absolutely fucked up situations and then be like, oh, like you had your free will, you should have just exercised, you should be, and that's fair, but they had a ton of, they had a massive amount of like variables and things working against them. But then we also have the opposite where it's like, there's not that much that's affecting you. But then when that person says, oh, like that's by other factors and things like that, we're okay with it. And I know I might not have explained that as well, but I think that like we either undercorrect or overcorrect on how much free will we actually have or our ability to exert our free will or how strong it is in this situation is often either overcorrected or undercorrected. So you covered a lot of ground sort of all over the place there. I'll try and comment on two things in particular and then one side thing. So you mentioned like one, um, you know, people think there's either too much or not enough free will. And then two, you mentioned like maybe statistically probability wise, like in the future, we could figure something out, right? So, but before that, I wanna say the the everything happens for a reason. So I like that, but like everything happens for a reason in my view, the way I interpret it now is because I have a reason for everything I do. Like I should have a reason. So everything does happen for a reason, but it's my reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's someone's reasons. It's not God's reasons. It's not some entity's master plan, but there is a reason for everything. Like there is a reason for mm -hmm. everything. All right. Um, and that's, what's interesting. Everything does happen for a reason not for some like holy reason, but there's a reason, right? So let's figure it out. So that's just an aside. Um, but on the, two, <clears throat> on the two major points, one, I'll say that I think you're sort of putting forward of people don't quite understand free will. Some people overestimate it. Some people underestimate it. Like Ayn Rand actually came up with a new view of what free will is, like in a much more fundamental view of what free will is. And I think um, basically in her view, free will is the choice to focus your mind or not, but focus your mind in the same way you can focus your eyes. Do you hold your mind in focus or do you let it go? That's the fundamental choice. And everything else comes after that. Right. And it's sort of like, it's a, it's sort of like a, you know, a, a suicide switch or a dead man switch. Like you have to be holding it on consistently and not let it go. And as soon as you let it go, that's what she calls drift. That's what she calls drift. But that is sort of what a lot of people then let their environment influence them, then let other people influence them because they let their focus go. They let their free will sort of open up and then you can just let whatever happens to you happen to you. There's one other option, which is evasion, she calls it which is choosing to knowingly go against like what you think is right or good. Right. So like ignoring information by choice, that's different than just like, like drifting and letting yourself go every and any which way. And so it is interesting that, you know, I think many people do have a misconception about free will. If Ayn Rand's right, this is only, you know, a 70 year old or newer theory of what free will is. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about my experience with that because that's actually like the, the whole amount, all, all of the work I've been able to do about understanding my mind, understanding autism a bit more. It's because I had a unique relationship with free will. I wasn't able to be in focus. I was trying to execute my free will, but I couldn't because I was like just getting hit with like such massive amounts of data that I couldn't get in front and choose what to do, which is, which is really interesting. So that's an aside, but linking this to what you said about the statistics and maybe like that is 
that would be determinism then, right? If you think that's even possible, right? Because in my view, how do you, like when I ask, how do you know free will? And this, it, this also relates to what we talked about last time, running in reverse and the long video we did about like, which way are you looking, right? Because it's like, how do I know I have free will? Because I can just feel it. I can introspect it. It's there. It's there the same way this microphone, it, you can't see it, but there's a microphone here. It's the same way this microphone is here. Like when I introspect, now free will is there, right? And so I can know, okay, do I pick up this water bottle? Do I put it down? I have the option to do that, right? I have the choice. And, and there's no amount of data that could predict whether or not I'm going to put the water bottle down because I really think, it's my choice. And I just choose. It's not based on like how many times did I put the water bottle down in the past or any amount of complex data. And that's the theory is that even if all of the universe of existence was determined, right. And we could predict everything in, in, in the non-human world, let's say, I don't know the right term to distinguish. We could not because consciousness is unique, right? It is a different type of um it is different in kind so it cannot be uh figured out in that same manner um in terms of me so i don't know if you want to respond to either of those yeah, points me, but now i can sort of tell you my experience of of free will let me respond to that um uh, real real quick and then i'd love to hear your experience which is the first thing is like i understand the deterministic argument for me, it's that I just don't like, and, and I sort of already touched on that, which is that I just don't think we have the ability to know all the variables, right? Like, can it be deterministic? Maybe, but- No, but-, but like, Anyway, and hold on, hold on, right? And I know um, the question that I wanted to ask is that like, there's the, there's the idea that like, at least the ex explanation that you gave me doesn't necessarily like the I can see that other person going oh like the reason that you wanted to like you wanted to have this podcast for a while now you wanted to show this thing and like there's enough variables out there that like you you could have predicted that the person would have the water bottle and all like you know what I mean like someone would someone can rationalize that away with like there's probably enough variables and like if you were calculated you can figure that out like does that does that really go against that argument yes because it, it's literally like, if that was true in your mind or in my mind, when I'm going to make a decision, the decision is fundamentally not mine then, right? Like I'm not actually in control. There's some data in my brain that is making the choice for me. And I don't actually have control. And it's just an illusion that I'm making a choice. But I can tell in my mind, and I've, I've chosen things that have been not like, it's, I, so this is getting into like complex territory. I don't know the full arguments against determinism, though I will recommend a short book I read, which is quite good. It's called The Illusion of Determinism, Why mm -hmm. Free Will is Real and Causal. It's by like a world-renowned psychologist um, on executive function. He's like the foremost guy on executive functioning, uh, Edwin Locke. It's a pretty interesting book, um, only about 100 pages. But if that were possible, then, then like it fundamentally means we're not in control of our minds, right? If, if it is predictable in any future scenario at all, it fundamentally means we don't have free will, that there's just, you know, you know, balls bouncing around in our brain that end up making a decision. But I know, and I've had vivid experiences in the moment of, you know, my mind, all of the balls are bouncing one way and I go, no, right? I just decide no without any balls bouncing the other way, right? And, and I, but I can weigh that. I can think, I can decide how long I'll take before I decide on the further action, right? Um, there's also something to be said that, you know, all, like, not, if free will wasn't real, like, there would be, 
like we wouldn't be choosing to have this conversation. There'd be no point to it because I can't convince you. I can't convince anyone else. I'm just hoping that the word vomit I'm spewing is. So, 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 but the, the, some people would say that there's all of the experiences and all the things that we did in our life inevitably ended up. And I, I think we'll just go around in circles if <laughs> if I say. Right, but if, so that's why I. That's I, part of the. And that's part of the reason why I don't like that argument, right? It's one of those things where it just seems kind of like a cop-out, um, like a cop-out argument to me. And maybe I just don't understand the literature and, and things like that well enough to have a full nuanced opinion about the two things. Um, but, but for me, it's, it's I, so what I would put forward is um, two things. One, like, that's why I wanted to ask you, you say you think it's real, but I wanted to get your opinion on it and how you experience it, how you have it introspectively in your mind. Because I like, you know, I would put forward, so, so Sam Harris doesn't think it's real, right? He thinks he's determined. And you are at least, you're not convinced fully that you're not, let's say, right? And for me- I'm not convinced I am either. <laughs> like, right, know, yeah. I'm that guy that's sitting on the fence that everyone hates, right? <laughs> yeah, because you, you still look, you're looking at the world backwards still. <laughs> but, um, but- um, so I want to share my experience with it because I think it will be instructive because I also think <clears throat> from my, because of the way I viewed the world, I almost thought I was determined, right? Because I think the way we, we each look at the world and we're kind of always looking at all of the data and trying to come to the best conclusion, um, it's almost like, well, there is only ever one path because it's the right path based on all of the data I have available, right? And I'm going to try and get all of the data available. So of course, right, I'm like almost determined because it's, you have I don't know. Data, you should know what the right decision is and just keep following that. And then you just always do that, right? And so that's what's really interesting. That's actually what being moral is, is always doing that thing. That's the essence of morality. And so what happened to me, it was in 2018, right? And I was in the middle of my crisis of life, right? And I was trying to figure out, like I was so traumatized by how I had been in university. And I was trying to figure out if I was guilty or not. Like, how do I judge myself? I did a lot of bad shit. How do I know how to judge myself? And I hadn't learned objectivism yet or anything like that. I hadn't been exposed to it, but I was trying to understand why I was the way I was, how I did the things I did, right? And so basically there was only one experience in my life that I remember exerting my effort to not be determined, mm -hmm. right? Because again, I wasn't drifting in the way that someone who just like isn't engaged might just drift through life right i was always trying to be engaged and trying to do the right thing but i was just inundated with information and i had yeah. the wrong i had the wrong programming and i couldn't control it because of my autism right that's my view um but i vividly remember in when i was 16 years old or 17 years old in grade 11 the first time I ever kissed a girl, I basically pushed myself to like assault her and kiss her after peer pressure. And I remember in that moment, like everything in my mind was telling me not to do this, but I made myself do it. And that's the only experience I had had until the age of 23 that I remember okay, no, I do have free will. That was the only evidence I had that I had it because I actually remember forcing myself in my mind to do something when everything else was telling me not to do it. Every other moment in my life, I had just done what my mind told me to do. I had never exerted influence, but the essence of what it means to be in focus which, and to try and be rational in Ayn Rand's view, or I might not get it perfectly right. But what I realized why I didn't judge myself harshly for some of the other stuff I'd done is because all I'd ever done was 
based on all of the data available, what do I think is the right decision in this moment? And that's all I ever did. All I ever did was based on all of the data available, what in my judgment do I think is the right decision? And if that's all I ever do, someone could argue that's determined, right? But I have the choice to not do that. I have the choice to not listen to all of the data or not do something I think is right. And many people, you and I know this firsthand, many people don't live their life in the way where they look at all of the data all of the time and try and do what's right all of the time. They either willfully ignore stuff or they just don't engage their mind fully and stuff drifts in and out. Mm -hmm. And so that is the essence of free will. And that's what I realized when I was 22, 23 is, oh, and it's basically, you know, the, there's one choice, both in Ayn Rand's view and in like the typical view or in a Peterson view, you hold heaven or hell. That's mm -hmm. it. You're either going towards heaven or you're going towards hell. Either you're good or you're not good. You are either trying to do right based on all of the information available or not, right? Um, and that to me, that's the fundamental choice. That's the essence of how I discovered I had free will is there was one time where I didn't do this, right? Mm -hmm. Even though many people thought there was many times because I wasn't that good of a person. And then I can get to since I, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. And then I can sort of get into how I've learned more about it since being exposed to objectivism and how I've actually gotten like basically out in front of my autism since uh, in the past two years, because there's an interesting link between why I was sort of determined and why I was on such a wrong path. And it relates to the same issue. The one, the one thing that keeps coming up in my head is What's the difference between the definition Ayn Rand said and the example that you used and discipline? Because when I think about discipline, a lot of people talk about that in the same way. It's like every single bone in my body tells me not to work out, but I have the discipline to go ahead and work out. And once I finish working out, I'm like, thank God I went ahead and did that. And like, there's a lot of things in which people that want, that's not just don't want to do, there's some, there's some things when, yeah, you shouldn't do it and your body's telling you, you shouldn't do it and you should listen to your body. But like, there are a lot of cases when people exercise their discipline and talk about like working that as a muscle and being able to use that. And the examples that you mentioned and the examples that I, when I think through and resonate with it are all things that like I came out and said, uh, or I would have came out and said, yeah, that's what it means to be disciplined. Um, so what would you, how would you, what are your thoughts on that, on the difference between, because it seems like, at least when I talk to you, like if I, if I could just get rid of the title of this conversation, right. And just go and switch everything that we talked about free will and discipline, it seems to me as if it would still work. Well, so, um, actually there's a, there's a lady named Jean Maroney who has a bunch of good stuff on, on this. Um, her, her website is thinkingdirections.com. And I, I remember her specifically talking about sort of these differences, but so free will, volition, this focus is the, it's undergirds everything. So you wouldn't even be able to think about being disciplined if you're out of focus, right? To even say to yourself, no, let's just go to the gym, right? Let's just do it. That presupposes you're in control of your mind. You can let go of the reins of your mind. And you wouldn't even think that there are people who literally go through weeks or months or their whole life without thinking actively, right? They're just drifting. So you wouldn't even be able to be disciplined, right? So it's the same with concentration, with any of this stuff. They all presuppose that you're choosing to engage your mind. It's not even a choice, though. It's it, it presupp choice presupposes this, that you are willing yourself to focus your mind, right? Um, so that you can think at all, so that you can weigh anything. Otherwise, you can just, I don't know if it ever happens to you, but imagine you're just watching 10 hours of television and your brain turns on like autopilot. You barely even know what's going on. And then six hours have passed, right? Mm -hmm. So um, like a good example in the book I mentioned is like if you're reading a textbook and you get to the bottom of a page and you have no idea what the book said because your, your brain's not engaged, your mind's not engaged, like that you, you 
processed the, you read quote unquote, the information, but it didn't go into your mind because you're not focused. Right. And so the focus, and it's, again, that's Ayn Rand's term for this. It's not like concentration. Um, this, this free will, it's, it, it's presupposed by the ability to even contemplate discipline. That's fair. The, um, like, there's this weird thing, and just in the full um, context of transparency, it was it, it almost like some of the stuff you were saying to me almost like the first thing that goes in my head is like no shit, right? Like, right. like it's one of those things that it's like, like you're arguing for choice because like a lot of the times that I think about the free will argument, right? It gets very esoteric and gets very like about what is um, like it gets down to the conversation of you are exercising your thoughts, but you think you're exercising your thoughts, but your the all of the moments that precede this allowed you to get your brain to the point at which you can think this through. And as a result of you thinking this through, like, it's not that like, do you know what I'm saying? Like they almost talk as if you can think, but your ability to think is predetermined. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's right. Like, and, and, and so I don't think your ability to think is predetermined and I have evidence from changing the way my mind works. Right. And so that's, what's a key piece of the way the mind works in my view is there's two parts of what's stored habits and values. Right. And a key thing that people don't understand is you choose your values. Right. And you actually can choose them and set them into your thinking. And that is what people don't, some people take for granted and then some people put those as well you have these values that are given and so your actions are predetermined to pursue those values right but you can choose your values and it takes a lot of work to actually set them into your mind right and so that's what i've been obsessed with is understanding how to actually set these new habits and new values into my mind that's what i think i'm an expert at is okay you've chosen the code you want to run, or you've chosen the values you want to have, but how do you actually get them into your mind? That's what I really find fascinating. And that's how I know I'm not determined because I chose, here's exactly what I want to put in here. And I know that my mind used to run different code and now it runs this code. And I've chosen that code. And I chose it by a conscious process of thought that I also initiated, right? And it's different than how I used to be. It's different than when I was more so just bumping along with things. But I want to add something um, with respect to autism and and how and and because I think from my experience and talking with some objectivists about it, there we have a unique perspective, or at least I have a unique perspective. I am I think it relates to autism as a phenomenon as such, right? Because we're talking about essentially what is related to the very essence of what it is, what is the executive function of your mind, right? Being able to like run your own life, being able mm -hmm. to control your own life, right? And so an analogy I use is, okay, you're a bouncer at a house party, right? That's what your free will is. Your, your, your consciousness is, in your, is the bouncer at a house party, right? The, the typical view that's put forward by Ayn Rand, or not the typical view, the view that's put forward by Ayn Rand that seems to apply to neurotypical people's minds is there's three choices. Either you are like a proper bouncer deciding what's coming into the house and what's not, right? That's exerting your free will, or you're kind of distracted and not paying attention and you don't really know what's coming in, and then that's what would lead to someone being quote determined is they don't really pay attention and then they just react to whatever comes into the house. Mm -hmm. Or you, someone can purposely like turn away from the door and ignore who's coming in because they don't wanna deal with that person. That would be choosing to evade, right? And so until uh, I put forward that this, none of those applied to me, that was the view of that's, those are the options. But for me, what happened and why I was the way I was, is I was a bouncer trying as hard as possible to, fought, to, pay, to capture everyone coming into the house. 
but there were too many people that I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't slow the flow of people into the house. And so I was trying as hard as I could to pay attention to everyone who came in and I failed. Right. And that is a unique phenomenon that I think is more widely applicable to people with autism. And because uh, of that, when I realized at age 24, how badly I was mistaken about my life, I was devastated because I had tried so hard to do the right thing every time. I knew I was trying to do the right thing. Only once did, it, did I ever remember not doing that in 24 years. Whereas many people, if they're honest, they do that all of the time, right? Most people much more often don't engage their mind. But mine was totally engaged all the time. It was almost stuck on, right? Like it was painful because I couldn't not have that processing happen. So I would drink and smoke to like chemically induce a stupor. And I remember I would like being hungover because I was not able to actually absorb what was going on for a day. And it was like relaxing. And so for someone like you or Sam Harris, my view is that you have a similar relationship. And this is what I'm going to go into in depth of like the actual nature. There's like, it's more that my theory around how autism interrelates with this phenomenon, it's sort of different. Um, But I think that like my theory is Sam Harris, he just has also always done that. So he doesn't even think he could not do that, right? Imagine Imagine you're 40 years old, however old Sam Harris is, And literally, as long as you can remember, you've always paid attention to all of the data and tried to do the right thing. You wouldn't even think of the possibility of not doing that. If that's all you've done since you're four years old, how can you fathom that you could choose to ignore it? And like your mind wouldn't even let you, right? It's like a false choice, right? And so that's what's really fascinating to me. Um, is I almost had that, but I knew because I had such an inundation of data and I had that one experience of ignoring my own mind um, that, oh shit, like I can't, like there is free will, which was really, really fascinating for me to figure out introspectively. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. And then I can get into sort of the last piece uh, that's more directly related to objectivism if, if you want. Um, I really resonate with that. Um, the reason being is there was one thing that was said, and I'm not trying to in any way, shape or form um, say that I'm Elon Musk or or am Elon Musk, but there was one thing that he said on the Joe Rogan podcast, which is um, Joe Rogan asked him, he's like, hey, like why, um, like what goes on in your head, like all those ideas and like, oh, like what makes you do all these things? And I'm paraphrasing, right? But he basically says, um, I don't think you'd enjoy being in my head. He's like, I have more ideas than I know what have the money or the time to do it. And I resonate with that a lot because I have I have that issue and I almost call it that addictive personality. And I think it somewhat has to do the same, or at least there's some like uh, relation between the two. Is that like if I start something unless it's finished, like it's very hard for me to go to bed, right? Like I'll, I'll think about it, I'll wake up thinking about it, and like I have to sort of like close something or like if there's I totally resonate with the idea of like data always flowing in your head. It's like, there's moments in which we'll play board games and like someone makes the wrong decision. I'm like, no, you're not looking at all the facts. Like, why would you make that decision? This just like think four moves ahead. He has the potential to think. And like, I love games of probability because I can just sit there and do all the probability in my head and I get to work. And it's like, I can choose to work on the probability and not work on all the other external things that like are going on in my head. And it, it's funny. I used, I, I always tell people like the biggest, the biggest trouble for me is um, whenever I'm working, I'm thinking about having fun and whenever I'm having fun, I'm thinking about working. And that's, but, and I think that sort of relates with the idea that I can't stop thinking about shit. Um, and so like, I start to think about, Oh, like maybe I should be a more strict bouncer and saying, Hey, look, like this piece of information is not welcome here. And even, and we've talked about this too, where like, I will justify doing a lot of things that might not particularly be exactly useful, but I'm like, it can probably relate at some point in my life. And I was like, I'll, I'll do it. And, I ha- and it's on my list, so I have to do it. Um, well, and so 
like this is literally the issue that I'm most fascinated by because it's related to autism, it's related to anxiety. And so what I call it is it's your mental muscle, right? And I'm trying to help my, my new business is trying to help people train their mental muscle, get this total control of this mechanism because it was so insanely difficult for me. Right, like, like it, the, it's uh, monkey mind. Do you, is that is that, is that similar when people call about the monkey mind and this mental muscle? Not quite, because the monkey mind is sort of uh, the monkey mind is sort of holding where the subconscious is going, but then there's also an issue of the data transfer into the subconscious. So I think of it more of like a mental sphincter, right? Like how much do you let in and when, and to be able to control that and say, okay, only one date, one datum per minute or 10 datums per minute? How much do I have to process right now to achieve my goals? And I had an inability to close it. Mine was just like totally open all of the time. So everything was flooding in and I didn't know how to deal with it, right? And so I'm teaching people how to actually control that and modulate it. And in areas, it, it, it interfaces with the monkey mind, right? And so in areas where the monkey mind's more active, it's much harder. And the monkey mind can start kicking up data and stuff. And then it'll expand your mind. Then you won't be able to calm down, right? You and so they- mind more shit to throw, right? <laughs> that's what I think of. You just give the, more, the monkey mind more shit to throw. Um, no, and, and that's what a lot of people do is they try and control the monkey mind by feeding it as much data as it needs, but in a given realm, right? And I think of it as capacity versus efficiency. So you're always filling the capacity, but then you're not being as efficient with your thinking as you could be, because you can actually get the monkey mind to think more specifically on a specific issue rather than about all of the data it wants to be full and not get distracted, right? And so that's really like the thing I'm trying to, to do. And I think um, you mentioned Elon Musk and like, yeah, and so it's basically... I forget what you mentioned after Elon Musk. It was that um, when they asked him, like, oh, like, give all these ideas and like, where does all this stuff come from? He said, I don't think he said, uh, and basically like what's going on in your head um, is where it sort of got to it. And he said, I don't think you really enjoy being in my head because there's always things going on. There's like, there's essentially oh, and, there's more ideas than I know what to do with. And, and so I was going to say, and you related that to yourself and how you want to do everything, everything gets on the list and then it's in your mind. And that's, again, it's that brings it back to like, what is the orientation with the world and what do you let into your mind, right? And I was never able until recently to not let things in. Everything got in and then I tried to figure out what to do with it, but I had to learn how to let way less stuff in, right? And that relates to, again, that turning the nature of knowledge and being certain that this data isn't important. Whereas if, if everything's probable, if everything's a statistic, then you can never be certain, right? And that also comes to choosing your values, right? And if you really think about your values, you can know this piece isn't worth letting into my mind right now. And it all interrelates, but the fundamental issue is controlling this mental muscle, which is what I'm like really interested in. And so if I may, I'll, I'll jump now to sort of what I learned from objectivism in particular related to this. One quick question I want some clarification on, which is the probabilistic. What's the issue with the probabilistic thinking? Because I would say I'm a pretty probabilistic thinker. Well, because um, you, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but we've talked, I mean, don't correct me too long, but um, <laughs> you don't think certainty is actually possible, right? Because there's always a chance, like you think that like you, like, if we had enough data, maybe eventually we could be certain, but only from a data processing perspective, not from a like, no, no, we are just, there is no possibility of otherwise because of first principles, right? And so if that's what you hold, we talked about your thinking efficiency, right? So your mind is always open to probabilities and it might go down this trajectory. It might let this piece of data in because maybe it might connect down the road versus if you're certain, no, this is not the case or this does not apply, then you just don't let it into your mind at all. Or you don't let your mind go down that track when you're thinking of something, right? And so it lets you be much more streamlined and efficient in your thinking. And it was not that like, it was more of a, 
like nothing can be certain is more of like a like I, I don't like the all or nothing uh like framing of it but it's almost the way i look at nothing can be certain is not in the most literal form it's that like it's a it's something that i hold so that i'm always open to and, and sort of paraphrasing what you're saying it's open to new information in case i may be wrong and we had this like back and forth before of like i don't want to be um i i'm watching this new show and i told you uh it's called genius i don't want to be dr leonard against uh against einstein he's the one who said that einstein's relativity was absolutely bollocks and didn't make any sense and all this other stuff and of course, down the line, um, you found out Einstein was right, right? And this is that like that scientific thing where it's like all of the information sort of sort of pushes at it. And like I sort of hold that into my head as a way to oh, as a way to um, stop myself from being that. Where I'm like I'm so focused on this one thought that this new piece of information will never I, I'll I won't budge or I'll just throw it out. Right. And, and so I don't want to get into theories of knowledge is certainty possible in this sort of thing, because that's a whole other discussion. But as it relates to free will, like that is the issue is do like if you know you're open to the information, if it applies, like I, I don't know the state of the science or this show or Einstein and doctor, whoever, but like many people in in positions of power don't stay in focus they evade or they drift because they don't want their existing stuff to be challenged, right? And so that's about like your integrity, your moral character, your willingness to be proven wrong, but that doesn't mean certainty is not possible. And those are different things. But with respect to the mental muscle, it's about how open do you want it to be? How often? And this is what I was saying last time with, I was always in data processing mode getting as much data as possible and making integrations, but that's less fun now. And it's exhausting to do because I'm always using a maximum amount of capacity. And my mind is always trying to access as much as possible to find all of the connections. Whereas if I pick a certain area and I have a nugget of certainty, I can move forward and I can really focus my energy and my mental processing. Um, so it's a totally different way of thinking. And it's a really interesting phenomenon. Um, and so if I may, I'll jump forward a bit to, um, so I mentioned how in like 2018, I like figured out I had had free will, but I didn't know like what it was. I just knew, like, again, I had looked at the data of my own experience and it was like, okay, like there it was, like, I definitely did it there. Right. Um, but it wasn't until I actually went to the objectivism conference, which was in 2019, that I first actually in the moment knew I was doing it and exerted my free will. Until that point, I was totally still determined by whatever entered my mind. I remember I mentioned this, I don't know where, but like I went to a meditation retreat, it was really impactful. And I was depressed that I was going to be a monk. Because it was like, there's no choice, like this clearly was beneficial, I'm going to end up as a monk, right. But I went to this conference and I saw some sessions about free will, right? And then I remember like, cause normally what would happen is I would let the process play out in my mind until I would, I had a, I had a code in my mind. If you feel the fear in your stomach jump. So I had like, cause I used to be so anxious all of the time that I built in this code, but it was still determined. I didn't choose to do things. It was like when my brain hit that code, I did it, right? And, and that happened multiple times or many times. So I would do stuff before getting analysis paralysis, but we talked about how I was always pushing myself to act super quickly so I wouldn't be paralyzed by analysis, right? But what happened at this conference is I was like the CEO of the Ayn Rand Institute gave a presentation I was super impressed and I wanted to go talk to him. I was really nervous. And this code was running, right, of this, this anxiety code. And I remember thinking, I hadn't yet reached the, if there's fear in your stomach, jump. But I remember thinking, wait, they told me that I could just choose to get up if I wanted to. I don't have to listen to whatever's going on in my mind. I can just get up. And I did. And, I, and it was a noticeably different phenomenon in my life, in my mind, than the code getting to 
fear jump, right? Mm -hmm. It was, I like, it was like I short circuited the anxiety code. And that you weren't just, was- You weren't just uh, basically acting on sort of instincts per se. You were actually right. using your- using Right, your and that was the first time I'd ever chosen to do it. And it was like, holy crap, right? Like it was such a bizarre experience for me. I was 26 years old or something. Um, and what's really interesting is that short circuit, so to speak, of my anxiety, to me, that's fundamentally about the two parts of the mind, the habits and the values, right? And so what you want to do is when, like, you want to make sure there's consistent connections. And what free will basically is, in my view, is being able to think and weigh the habits against the values and then come to a determination. If someone is only emotional and only ever thinks about values and not, you know, what they think is good or habits or stuff like that, that's not as clear, but many people more so just act on habit. Right. Um, and they, and so if they're, if you're just acting on habit, then yeah, you can basically be determined. There's some programming in your mind, some habits you have, and you just do it. But if you're weighing it against your values consistently, you can short circuit the habits, you can change the habits, and then you can set new values, right? And that's what's been really important for me. It's only been since getting exposed to Ayn Rand that I've been able to learn to think, to learn how to access my values in my thinking. And it's only been since November, this past November, that I felt fully in control of myself. Because for a lot of stuff, I was always drifting because I was always, my monkey brain would go haywire, right? I had a lot of habits. I had a lot of addictive personality tendencies, a lot of anxieties. And so it could still take over. And I didn't quite understand how to get it in control, right? And how to like let it act in the background without manifesting. And still, when I have certain mental health episodes we talked about before, sometimes I sort of lose a little bit of control because I have a history of mental health issues. Um, but to me, that moment, it's so vivid in my mind because it was a new mental phenomenon for me. And it was only possible because I'd started to look at the world in this other lens. And it's only been possible to really hold on to it consistently now because of these, the, because of like turning around, so to speak, and looking at the world through a different lens um, than I'm used to. Um, and it, it, it really is about sort of having accessed fully the value parts of my mind so that I can consistently think and weigh. And that's like my ability to sort of bounce between the two. What do I normally do? What do I want to do and why? that I'm able to sort of really hone in and hold this control. Um, and so I think I went a little bit off track there, but that like, that's sort of how it comes home to me um, is, well, one, that's how I know I have free will because that was, I was 26 years old and I had experienced this unique phenomenon where I actually totally ignored everything that was running in my mind because I consciously decided to do something, which was crazy to me. And then I've worked for like over a year to be able to do that like regularly. Which is interesting because I, I think that probably has something to do with like, and we, we touched on this a little bit before about how some people wake up like at 40 going, where the hell, like how the hell did I get here? Mm -hmm. And you actually make it a big point wherever like we're having a conversation. It's like, oh, like David, I got to go. He's like, I'm not stopping you from going, like, just go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, but like, I can't, you know, I can't be rude, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, no, you can go, but you choose not to. And you choose not to tell me to do things and you choose not to do it. And like, I like how you do that. Cause it's a, it's a general idea that it's like every decision that you make is, is essentially a choice. And um, it's about whether you're actually having the um, sort of the mindfulness, emotional intelligence to look at yourself and be like, no, this is something that I'm willing and choosing to do, not something that just happened. This is, and, and, and fully accepting free will and understanding what it is, is central to healthy relationships as well, right? So, I mean, there's an interesting episode on trapped in conversations, which is what we talk about that. But <clears throat> I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast before, but you and I have talked about it, about like, in particular with my close, like my, my close family members, right? They were acting a certain way to me and, or they were acting a certain way generally. 
and they were saying, well, this is just how I am, right? They, and they didn't think they have free will to a degree. They wouldn't have said it that way. This is just how I am. Whereas I think you can be whoever you want to be, literally. You can choose to be a certain way and create yourself. I did that. I think others can too. And what I put forward to them is, no, you cannot be that way and in my life. Mm -hmm. So you have to choose which is more important to you. And so I'm putting the value of me against the habits they have. Mm -hmm. And then they have to choose which one, right, is more important to them. And that really calls into question their own behavior and forces them to wake up at least a little bit. Because some people do like, yeah, they wake up at age 40, like, holy crap. And then the thing is with this, I call it the mental muscle, because it's if you're 40, and you have to finally start using your free will, it's going to be really difficult, right? Mm -hmm. it's, I was it's, just about to say that. It's, that, it's not, that not like it's that it gets harder the more and more these habits are put into the phone. It's like, every, it's like everything in life, right? Like and, and the, it's, longer, the longer something's been in place, the, the harder it is to pull out because everything is dependent on that. Well, and these habits literally get hardwired into your brain, right? Like neural mm -hmm. path. And, like, and, and I'm nerding out a little bit, but it's like, Sometimes it's actually not your environment making you this, it's you making your environment, right? Like if you're yeah. a shitty person, you're gonna attract shitty people and there's gonna be shitty things happening around you. It's not because it's not that your life went out the window because shitty things happened to you, it's because you were shitty and shitty things followed. It's, and it's, that it's it's um it's one of my favorite sayings, which is uh from Chicago Munger, and it automatically just popped in my head when you said it, which is uh, there's someone he's like, people often ask me. Um, how do you get a good wife? And he's like, you got to deserve a good wife. <laughs> he's like, you just sit there, it just doesn't happen. Like you got to put the work and you got to put the effort to go ahead and do that. Um, and, and that like resonates, resonates with me in that like, you can't just sit there and you can't just expect things to go happen and expect things to, to sort of work out. And um, even in my own relationships, um, this is one thing that, I, and I, I, I talked about this fairly recently in the past year. And I, I, I sort of, like clicked in my head, which is that in an argument, most of the time now when I'm in an argument, especially when you talk about relationships, I don't necessarily try and convince you of a specific thing, like you're being shitty or like, hey, I think you're being mean or things like that. I'll tell you and I'll say, hey, take that away. And I want you to think about whether there's any semblance of that, which is true. Like there, I, because I've seen multiple examples of my, my, me, myself doing it where like someone will say, here, you're doing this. And I can come up with 15,000 examples. And it's my context, right? I can come up with 15,000 examples to why as to why I'm being this way and stuff like that. But then like, I've gone back later where later and um, sat, sat and thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, I was really shitty that way. And like, I just did everything in my power to convince myself otherwise. And like, we had this long drawn out argument when a lot of times it would have just been better. And sometimes I, I ask people to do this. And so when they give me feedback, I go, okay, I take it away. And then when I take it away, I can then sit back and think, am I actually this way? Or is there something that they're just not seeing? Or are they wrong in that approach? And being able to split yourself from that is how you sort of like, in my way, in my view, exercise your own free will on thinking about what it is you're doing, why is it you're doing it, what's causing you to do that, and changing that choice. And I think a lot of my friends and family will tell you this and that quite recently I've made some pretty drastic changes. And that only came from me looking back and We've talked about this multiple times, but like you could think back far enough on what, on when you made that choice and when you chose to stick with that and start to concretize it in your head. And once you can find that out, you can just turn that damn switch off. Well, yeah. And, and so that is like the fact that you can see, okay, why did I behave this way? Can I behave differently? How far back do I reach to change this pattern? Right. And this comes to the other topic I want to have. I mentioned in the last episode, I want to have it as well on creative introspection. I think the way you and I introspect is different than the average person. Um, but, but yeah, so, so it does come back to, you know, what is the relationship in your mind? I don't know how many people vividly have experiences of not being in control and then being in control. Cause to me, it was so distinct that it was like vivid and clear to me. Right. But one thing I'll also say is I think the for me, the, the value centric thing is a short circuit. So that's also the sort of for compassionate communication, how to have effective communication. If you want to sort of short circuit a conversation or if someone's rant rolling or you're rolling, you bring it back to a place of values. 
right? What is the value at stake? What is the shared value at stake? Because then they have to really choose between the two values, right? Like when you're just in a habit, when they're just sort of, you know, angry or this is how they act sometimes, that's because they're like some, some habit pattern gets triggered, right? But if you reduce it to the actual conflict at stake, whether it's between two people or within someone's mind, values exist in a high, values should and often do exist in a hierarchy. And if you can bring it down to here's the two values at stake, it is either, you know, David and Winston's friendship or uh, Winston's hair, whatever, right? And if, and if we're arguing about uh, blocks, <laughs> whatever, if we're arguing and, and we're starting to get down some rabbit hole, and we can reduce it to, no, there's two values here that are in conflict. Choose which one's more important. That's literally the thing. And people have to choose, right? And that's what I challenged my friends to do, my family members to do. I was up against a bunch of crap. And I said, look, I'm me. And you can either choose me or all that other crap. And it's their choice, but it, they chose it. And that's another very clear way and that's why a lot of people, when they talk about choice and volition, free will, they don't talk about values, which is really values are the centerpiece of life, right? And, and of, I don't know if they're the centerpiece of thought, but they're certainly important to thought. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I hope we quick personally, I know we're way over time. <laughs> we're, 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 yeah, yeah, I was going to wrap up. We're pushing out into the hour, but right when you said that, I was like, there's I think that's still true that like give them something that's super valuable make them choose between the two. Now, of course, that doesn't mean like every single time you're, you're like your significant other forgets to wash the dishes, be like, it's either me or the dishes. Like, you know, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> use your power responsibly. But I can think about like the most salient example in my head is um, my mom. Cause my mom is probably, she's the strongest woman I've ever met in my entire life but she was also the strictest woman I've ever met in my entire life, right? Like there was, there's nothing that went past her. Um, and we actually didn't have a very good relationship. Like it was really bad to one point where we didn't even have a conversation with each other. Um, and the only thing that actually finally made that switch is when I made a drastic change in which we just did not see eye to eye on something. I don't wanna get on again on that, but um, I made the choice to, to leave. Like they said, oh, get out, don't come home, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, okay, like you expect that I'm not going to come home because, you know, all brown kids go run back to their parents or whatever and like, oh, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, like this is this is completely against this. You have to choose, right? Now, I didn't say you have to choose, but I was like, no, it's not going to happen. And then I came back, um, I spent a few days later, and then, of course, I couldn't stay some at my friend's house for that long. So then I came back and I'd taken a job to spend two months going across camp. A lot of people don't know this, but part of the reason I did that was to get away from the house. And once I got away from the house and came back, the relationship was night and day because they realized like, oh shit, like they had the time to think through and be like, okay, like, what is it that I'm doing? Like, I don't think my, like, I think I raised my son pretty, pretty, like, I think I raised a pretty smart guy. I don't think he'd make this drastic change for, for stupid shit. There's probably something I have to look at. And now she's by far the sweetest woman on the planet. Like she's like that grandmother with the cookies, you know what I mean? Like, it's just this fundamental switch. And I think that's, and sometimes I tell people this, which is like, sometimes the kindness is actually the weakness in which you're not willing, you're being so kind and so um, accommodating to them that sometimes you have to be like, no, like I'm not standing for this. You have to choose between the two. And if they make the wrong choice, they make the wrong choice. But there have been situations where I've been the one that made the wrong choice. And I came back afterwards and went, fuck, like, thank God that person left me because otherwise they would have just been, they would have just been um, like, I would have just been, you know, listening to my own voice, not, not actually spending the time I need to change. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I'm definitely interested in like exploring that, uh, that idea further generally, because like I've, I'm, I mean, that's what I've done, right? Like I am me, I've chosen very, with a lot of effort to be this person. And I'm, if people want, if I'm now in conflict with other values, that's their decision. And I have to stand firm and, and I, I don't put kindness first. I am a kind person. I think it's important to be kind. Um, but I very much, I know I've chosen and thought a lot more about who I want to be than most people. Um, and so I sort of can proudly be who I am because I've, I've designed this person consciously. Right. Um, 
yeah, so I, I mean, I suppose I'll wrap it up there. I mean, we covered a lot of ground. It's a really, it's a complex and interesting topic. Um, I'm going to uh, be doing- Free will, right? <laughs> free will, yeah. I'm going to be doing a, a different, uh, one of my other uh, recordings on, on a different aspect of the same issue. And then hopefully we can revisit it as well from that aspect. It's more the like autism's experience of free will aspect. Um, mm -hmm. But I hope this was- uh, interesting to you i'm interested i i want to see how it impacts i'm trying i'm throwing a bunch of stuff at you to try and get your mind to like shift modes um so hopefully um hopefully this uh gave you and, and the listeners a lot to think about as well and and I'll, I'll tell you this um just to give you some consolation which is a lot of the time it's not my mind that switches on here of course there have been situations in which it has but there are moments in which um like i go away and then like every now and then like It'll be like a few weeks later. I'm like, ah, oh, like that's where that that's where this connects, and it'll hit me. So uh, it's not that it doesn't it's not that it doesn't resonate, but uh, also my girlfriend will also tell you I have the worst surprise or like <laughs> like uh, reactions on the planet. So even if you blow my mind, you probably wouldn't notice. Cool. Well, Cross thanks, Winston. Talk soon. <laughs>